For six generations, the Jones family has been providing high-quality meats. And now, we're providing treats for the best member of your family, man's best friend, aka the goodest boys and girls. Jones Natural Shoes makes bones and treats that are sure to be savored by your dog and are made from the best natural ingredients available. Our flavorful chews are made from natural animal parts and will have your puppy drooling with happiness. From treats like sticks and chews to savory bones and patties, we've got you covered for finding the perfect reward for that special pup in your life. Jones Natural Chews come in all sizes, so make sure to choose the right treat for your pup. And remember, it's important to be supervising your pup when they're enjoying their treats to keep your puppy safe. Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you, or visit jonesnaturalchews.com to get started with our store locator tool. That's Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. Welcome to the Teachers Need Teachers podcast, where we help new and beginning teachers navigate through those crazy first years of teaching so you can maintain your sanity and personal life. Here's your host, Kim LaPree. Welcome to the Teachers Need Teachers podcast, episode number three. Hey, thanks for coming and hanging out with me today. I really appreciate it. I'm your host, Kim LaPree from TeachersNeedTeachers.com, a coaching and community site for new and beginning teachers who don't want to just survive those first few years, but actually thrive. So this is part one of a four-part series about reflecting on your end of the school year so that you can improve your teaching for next year. Now, I get it. A lot of us are either out of school, are about to end school, or still have a month left of school. And the last thing you want to do is think about this past school year. You just want to move on and start your summer. And I get it. And I think we all deserve the rest and reset. But here's the thing. The farther you get away from your school year, the less likely you're going to be able to remember the details that will really help you improve upon this previous year. So what we're going to go through today are four different aspects of your teaching that you're going to reflect on so that you can be better next year. Now, I've created a resource for these four episodes. You can find them in the show notes or you can go to teachersneedteachers.com forward slash three And you can download that so that you can follow along while you're listening to these episodes, or you can just do them on your own time after you're done listening. Now, if you're someone who just got done with your student teaching, this is actually a really perfect time to do this reflection as well. As you know, when you're doing student teaching, you're essentially barring somebody else's classroom. And this gives you a unique opportunity to really decide on what you do and don't want to include when you get your own classroom. So again, this is a perfect time to reflect. I'm going to be going over four parts. I'm going to discuss in this episode your classroom setup, and then following this one, I'm going to discuss grading, classroom procedures, and then finally classroom management. All right, let's get started. So when we're discussing your classroom, the first thing we want to consider is the layout. And I need you to keep an open mind about this because sometimes we feel restricted by the amount of space that we have, but you'd be surprised by how much space you have. And if you're creative, you can actually configure things in different ways. If you ever played the game Tetris growing up, you'll know what I mean. 
So let's consider the types of student desks or tables that you have, whether your student chairs are connected to desks or if they're separate chairs, where your desk is located, the cabinets and shelves, as well as any bins and containers for supplies. So with student desks and tables, one thing we want to consider is how you're going to configure the setup. Are you going to have rows of single desks? Are you going to have your groups in pairs or in groups of three or four? And they don't necessarily have to be all in a row. Sometimes you can put them like in an L shape. I remember when I switched over from band to English, I had my group sitting sort of in a semicircle rainbow looking configuration. And I realized that it actually looked the way I had them sitting in band. The problem with that configuration was that they could only speak to their shoulder partner and it was really difficult to get them into groups. And so I played with the configuration for a while. And in fact, there was a period of time when students would come to class and they would wonder, okay, how does Miss Lapuri have her desks set up today? So go ahead and take the time and play around with that, especially over the summer, if you have time to go back to your classroom, you could try something new. Desks are movable. Tables are movable. They don't have to just sit in one way. Something else to consider with how you're going to configure your desks has to do with student traffic. So you want to think about whether or not students can move around or if everything is so tightly compacted that they're actually bumping into the desks and ruining your groups of desks. I had that problem this year because I wanted to have my students grouped in fours, but in order to maximize the classroom space, they were sort of bumping into each other, so I had to rethink about how I spread those groups out. All right, so the next part that we wanna think about is your desk. Where is your desk located? I've seen some classrooms where a teacher's desk takes up a third of the room. I've actually been kind of confused by this because they have their desk, plus they have a table, plus they have their own bookshelf. And because of this, it takes up so much room that the students are really cramped in there. It becomes this sort of teacher-centered classroom where the focus wasn't necessarily on student learning. Now, over the years, I've played with different locations for my desk. I've had it at the front and I realized that this wasn't an ideal location because anytime I walked over to my desk to do something like take attendance or grab something, I would either distract the students or they would think that I wasn't paying attention to them, so then they would misbehave. Right now I have my desk in the back of the room, which is actually an ideal location because I can still go over there and take attendance and grab something or check something really quick and the students don't really notice. They think I'm just circulating throughout the room. Therefore, I'm less distracting. And also, because I'm in the back, students don't know that I'm watching them so I can catch their misbehaviors quicker. All right, so let's talk about your cabinets and shelves. If you teach a subject that involves books, such as elementary school where you need to have different sets of books, or if you teach English and you probably have novels, you're going to want to consider where you keep your library. Now, this doesn't mean that if you teach, you know, social studies or math or science that you don't have a library, you might have a set of textbooks like just for your classroom. So then you're going to want to listen to this as well. But the location of that library is key. What I've found by experimenting is that if books are up front, like front and center behind the teacher, it can also be distracting when a student needs to check out a book or browse. If you have it in the very back, 
Another problem is that students may not be doing what they're supposed to when they're back there because they think that they're hidden. So some ideal locations for your library, if you can fit it, would be somewhere off to the side and back or off to the side near the front. I know that the front can still be distracting, but it just really depends on the layout of your classroom. But the key here is that you're keeping it in a place where people aren't going to be distracted watching other students check out books. Next, we want to consider the bins and containers that you use to house your supplies. These can actually take up a lot of room, and it's something that you want to think about, again, in terms of traffic and where you locate them. So if you have them in a place where there's going to be any kind of a bottleneck or where students have to pass by each other and distract each other along the way, you might want to reconsider that and put it in an area that's a little more open so that students are less likely to do something along the way. So our next section is organization. And I want to preface this by telling you that I'm not going to recommend any type of organizational system. I am actually the last person to recommend how you organize your classroom because mine is very basic. If you really want to know more about different organizational methods, I would go and look and see how other teachers are doing it and find the system that works best for you. But what we want to consider today is how you have your room organized and how you can optimize that, not only so that it's easier for transitioning, but it's also simple and it doesn't create a lot of chaos and extra time. So let's start with your books. I know that elementary school teachers have their books grouped differently. Sometimes it's kind of like in a library where it's grouped by author's last name. But I also know that a lot of times they group books based on genre or based on reading level. So you want to think about what are your needs in your particular classroom? Do you need it so that there's a bin with books at the same reading level so that you can just point certain students to those? Or is it just easier to group it by genre because you know you have readers who don't like to read and you want to be able to just direct them to a particular genre of high interest? Also, if you teach middle or high school, in your library, you might also have it grouped additionally by class sets of novels. If you do any kind of literature circles or reading clubs where you have preset groups of students, you probably have them grouped that way. And again, you can still group it by genre or by author's last name. Another thing to consider is how do you organize your pens, pencils, and markers? Now, these notoriously run away. So for me, I don't use any kind of a drawer system. I've seen some teachers have these amazing bins with drawers, and they have them labeled really nicely. But I'm actually really simple. I have these plastic shoe boxes where I just have one box with all of the markers, another with all of the colored pencils, and again, pens. So it just makes it easier because I just take out the box that I need for a particular task. Otherwise, if I have them all out, students get distracted or when I'm not looking, they kind of run away. Another one that's really tough also to organize are glue sticks and scissors. These are always either lost or the glue sticks are dried out because students forget to put on the caps. So you want to think about how are you going to prevent that? Again, for glue sticks, I have a plastic shoebox where I keep them in there and they have my name on them. And for scissors, I keep them in a plastic caddy that has different colored sections that match with the color of the handle of the scissors. And then I also number them and I put my name. So it makes it more difficult for me to lose track of my scissors that way. You might have another system 
but you want to just think about how is it working? How is it making it so that the process is streamlined and it's easy to get them and also have them be put back? How about student work? How are students submitting work to you? Do you have someone go around your room and collect it? Do you have a bin where students just drop their homework as soon as they walk into the classroom? Or do you have some other kind of system for collecting or even giving back student work? That's something that you want to think about because we can lose a lot of time just by turning in assignments or handing them back. So what have you done this past year and how has that gone for you? Has it been chaotic? Did it take way too much time? Were students misbehaving during that process? So we want to think about that and reflect on it as well. And finally, for organization, we want to think about classroom technology. Even if you just have long tables with computers on them, where's the location of those tables? Is it optimized so that they're easy to access, but they're also not distracting students? Or are they creating any traffic problems? And if you have netbooks or Chromebooks or tablets, is there a checkout system if students are borrowing them from you? Or do you just write their name down on a post-it and you kind of remember? What is the system that you have for that? So for the last section, we want to think about seating arrangement. And this one is actually really important because as you know, a bad seating arrangement can create so much chaos in your classroom. So some things to consider. Do you tend to group in heterogeneous or homogeneous groups? Do you have students of similar abilities or do you mix the abilities? And there's differing opinions on this, on which one is best. And also you might find that you are going to use different types of groups for different situations. A lot of teachers like heterogeneous groups because you have someone who tends to be more of the leader and the strong focal point of the group, and they help the other students in that group. Others like homogeneous groups because then those students help each other out and bounce off of each other, and they don't feel that They're either keeping someone from moving ahead or they're having to wait for someone to catch up. In different situations, you're going to use different groups. Something else to consider is, are you having students sit individually or are you having them sit in groups? And we talked about this with your desk layout. If you already have students sitting in groups, that makes it easier for them to collaborate with each other. Some teachers don't like this type of a layout because they think that students will constantly be distracted by each other. And while this could happen, it really depends on how engaged and active you're keeping the students and how much you're paying attention to them. So something that you might want to play around with this coming year is how are you grouping students? Maybe you had them sitting just in pairs before and maybe you can find a way to have them sit in groups of four or in groups of three. And finally, how often are you going to change their seating arrangements? My students bug me all the time about when they're going to be changing seats. And honestly, it takes so long to do a seating chart. It could take me up to an hour just for one class. When I move one student, maybe across the room to a different group, it often creates a ripple effect because then I have to move someone from that group somewhere else. And if I move them to, say, group four... Maybe their BFF is in group four and now they're talking or their mortal enemy. Either way, we don't want to necessarily just, you know, press random and just have them sit willy nilly. We want to be really purposeful about our seating arrangements and our groupings. So how often are you going to change those seats so that you can get students to work with different people and then they can also get to know those people and learn the strengths and weaknesses of their group members but also give them a chance to work with others. 
So I know that we covered a lot today. And if you didn't get a chance to grab that link, you can go to teachersneedteachers.com forward slash three. And I really appreciate you listening to the Teachers Need Teachers podcast today. If you like this show and you want to see some of the other episodes, you can go check them out also at teachersneedteachers.com forward slash podcast. And for this particular episode, if you want to see a video of me trying to record it and epically failing, you can join my Facebook group, which is at teachersneedteachers.com forward slash FB which is all in lowercase, or you can just go to Facebook and search for the group Teachers Need Teachers. But hold up. Before you go, I would love, love, love if you could let me know what you think about this podcast by going over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, and leave a rating and a review. Not only does it help me know what you think and how I can improve, it also helps this podcast become more discoverable by teachers who really need this information. And as always, if you have any suggestions or want to be a guest on the show, please email me at kim at teachersneedteachers.com. Have a fabulous day. Thanks for listening to the Teachers Need Teachers podcast. Love this episode? Head over to Apple Podcast or Google Play to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.